Hey there, localists. This is Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire. Welcome you to the Brick and Mortar Reporter podcast. Today's podcast is jam-packed with tips, strategies, and the motivation you need to take your business to the next level. I'm excited about what you'll learn from today's interview. And don't forget that choosing local when you have the opportunity is vital to your community. So now, let me introduce your host, Christy Hostler, with today's interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and as always, I'm your host. And I'm so excited today because we have a guest that has so much value to give us. Justin Williams. Now, he's a local business owner, and about eight years ago, he started a real estate investment company. Now, he did this by putting systems into place that could really automate his processes. Now, since that time, he flips over a hundred houses a year and he does it virtually on autopilot. Now, no, this is not an infomercial or anything <laughs> like that, but Justin put these systems into place to free up his free time. So now he can build a solid online presence and he spends most of his time coaching and training other people to do the exact same thing. So Justin, we are thrilled to have you here to pick your brain for all your worth today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Christy. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, I've given just a little bit of what your life in the last eight years, which we'll go way more into before the the show is over, but can you kind of give us a little bit about the story of you even prior to that, anything personally, professionally, or anything else that you think would really help us see who you are as a person? Absolutely. Um, Well, I've kind of had an entrepreneur in me all my life. Uh, My parents weren't really entrepreneurs. I mean, they, they did. They were always looking for things to do to make money. Don't get me wrong. But it's, I'm, I just wasn't born in an entrepreneur family, right? Um, but from a very young age, I mean, I was the kid going around with the candy from Costco and mm-hmm. trying to sell it. <laughs> and I, I remember one, uh, when I was nine years old, I'd go work for someone who worked with my dad uh, for $3 an hour doing landscape work, oh, wow. pulling weeds, so that I could make enough money to buy lovebirds, which I would then raise hand feed the babies and then sell Aww. them. So Aww. I've been doing entrepreneurial stuff since, since a very young age. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, let's see, I went to Peru for two years, then came back. That, that was, you know, did missionary work, came back, played okay. football at BYU. I'm just giving it, you wanted a little bit of my personal background. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, this is great information because you don't, re- you know, you don't realize when you see somebody that they're, they're so multifaceted. Yeah. So I love, love hearing about yeah, that. So, so. Played, played football at Brigham Young University, and uh, that's when I started. I got married uh, just over ten years ago, okay. and we started a satellite dish business. I was always I was doing selling satellite dish door to door, and I figured, hey, yeah, I could do this better than those guys. Why not? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I make make more money, do it better than them, right? The entrepreneurial seizure, and that's when I started my my first business. So wow. So let me ask you this: What was your major in college? You know, it's kind of funny. I I, I wanted to do business school, but once again, you know, I didn't grow up. I knew right. I wanted to make money, and I knew, but I didn't. It wasn't like, hey, go to business school, and this is what you're going to do. And right, yeah. But I did go check out the business school, and it just seemed like so much work. And then they talked about <laughs> the hours that any one of these occupations would include, and I was like, well, I can't start a business if I do these. It's, it's, it's just really funny. So yeah, I uh, I ended up going into PE as oh, my major, so but I didn't. I didn't graduate, um, and I'm not. Oh, wow, I'm not yeah. here to say you should or shouldn't go to college right. at all. 
Um, but for me at the time, I only had a semester left and was student teaching. But that's when I started my satellite dish business. We had a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. And I knew how much I could make as a, a PE teacher. And, <laughs> and and honestly, I didn't really love it as much as I thought I would as I was doing going to the oh, schools. And, you know, there's a lot of people say, well, you just do it just to do it. And, and for me, that didn't make sense to me. I've always been yeah. very, you know, what what do I want to do regardless of what kind of the uh, – status quo says you should do mm-hmm. and I was like no <laughs> I don't want to do it I'm, I'm done <laughs> so. that is it is so funny that you say that Justin because I'm the same thing I was a PE major in college oh, and I also went to a very conservative Christian college in on the east coast and it was funny because I was really more into the coaching aspect of it and so I did my student teaching and then I kind of took a little bit of a um, almost like a temporary sub type position in a public school which I had always been raised in private yeah. schools and it was so funny because the the one day I was doing a soccer unit out on the soccer field and I found myself the, the, a kid was so belligerent to me that somewhere out of me came get the blank out of my classroom and that is so not me and I thought oh my god I'm going to be on the news what is going on you know and so I thought Christy this is not for you, yeah. you this is yeah. way too frustrating and that so I, I did the same thing I'm like okay I got to make a, a right turn into business yeah. and just maybe I can coach on the side sometime for leisure but I got to make more money doing something exactly. else exactly and I, so. and I always <laughs> thought I'd want to coach as well and I may do that sometime in the future you know just playing football anyway but yeah but I just realized like uh I I liked it but it wasn't I didn't like it as much as I thought it just wasn't the best for me and the income wasn't there and I thought yeah I think I'm gonna just go this route full that's so that is so funny though but but you know that happens to so many people once they get out of college They've got this degree, and, and I hate to say it, but business schools prepare people to go and work in corporate America, yes. not really the entrepreneurial side yeah. of it. And so you get to a point where you really – I mean, granted, and my dad always said, Christy, once you have that bachelor's degree, it doesn't mean that you're smarter than everyone else. It just means you can see something through to completion. You have the certificate now. It enables you to do a whole new level of jobs that require that degree. And if you need to work for people, that's what you need. But if you are planning on doing your own income and making your own business, making your own way in the world, yeah, you're right. You can get more, a little more experience uh, in the real world by doing exactly what you did. So that's great. Now, I talked about your business in the intro. Now, I'm, I was never a math major or anything like that, but it's 2015 now. Eight years ago, when you started your real estate investment firm, um, and let me also say that you're in California, right? California, we're, we're talking about 2007, 2006, something like yeah, that. May of 2007 is when I... May of 2007, and then 2008 in California and everywhere else. <sighs> Boy, the, <laughs> yes, I still feel like it's smoldering. Uh-huh. So, so for you to start something like that, and then very early on in your, you know, what your chosen calling was to have something that so specifically affected the real estate market, like the Great Recession and the housing bubble just completely bursting, um, and now eight years later, you're still here to tell about it. You have a story to tell us about getting your business off the ground. So, tell us how it started and how how you made it and what you've done. Well, I'm, I'm actually really gr- glad you brought that up because so many people come to me today and they're like, "Oh, you could do, you could do it because of blah blah blah," but I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> Because I don't have the resources you have and the Uh market. And I'm like, 
okay. You're kidding me. You're kidding, like, right? <laughs> do you not know a little bit of history in the past eight years? You know, <laughs> How, what short-term memory we get when the economy starts to rebound? That's exactly. Funny. So, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I definitely accredit some of it to fortune. I remember seeing what the market was doing going up and me being kind of ignorant at the time being like, Oh wow. Yeah, this is going to be great. I can make a bunch of money. And <laughs> fortunately for me, I started out doing something called wholesaling, which okay. is where you just put the property under contract and then you sell the rights to that contract. So I was a little lucky in that aspect where, um, I didn't really have anything to lose. Did you, did you intend to start out your business wholesaling or was that kind of an avenue you took after other things fell through? I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, to tell you the truth. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew, you know, I had my satellite dish business and that we, we can maybe mention that earlier, but it was, sure. wasn't going the way I had wanted to. I, I had recovered from a lot of uh, debt that I had acquired my first yeah. year, my yeah, second out year. Of, I, out of school. I recovered yeah. from, no, not, not school. I didn't have any debt in school. I had a scholarship. I Oh, nice. It was from my satellite dish business. I had $120,000 oh, of debt after my first year. And that's a whole other story oh. how that happened. But oh, yeah. but um, I recovered from that after six months of working harder than I've ever worked in my life, selling door-to-door, doing everything I had to do to pay that debt off. And then mm-hmm. after that, I thought, eh, I'm good at this business. <laughs> so that's when I got into <laughs> real estate. Okay. And I had a friend who was in real estate, and I just said, hey, what do I do? Right. I had no idea. I, I knew nothing. I had no real estate background, never bought a house in my life. And he said, hey, I'm going to listen to this call. Check it out. So I listened to it. It was about short sales and, and wholesaling. Mm-hmm. I signed up for this program, flew to Atlanta, Georgia a couple months later, paid the guy $15,000 to be a part of oh his um, you know, coaching program. Sure. And and at the seminar, I mean, I remember like not having any idea what these guys were talking about at all. So I just blindly did whatever pretty much I was told to do, but also met another person at that seminar who was further along the way, and she kind of helped guide me along the way. Mm-hmm. So come to find out, this so-called uh, mentor of mine, you know, was more of just an information marketer and not um, really doing the business. I found out later gotcha. on. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, and you run into that a lot. Yeah, and, I and I know we can talk about that a little bit later, how some of the things you're doing are hopefully to combat that sort of problem yes, that we yes. have. <laughs> so I, I even actually won a car from this guy that he never sent me. I mean, that's how. Really? Was, oh my God. I was there, wow. you know, another seminar where I spoke on the success I had and, you know, there was three finalists and everyone was cheering, you know, they, they called my name. I got a trophy and a picture of him and, and he, with him with the car, he never sent it. So it's, Oh my God. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Oh, that's how a, yeah. uh, you know. It's 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 just makes you sick to your stomach to think that there are people actually out there that are duping people in that way. Yes. I mean, and your success in that, even in that, you know, program was largely due to you and the help you had, not to yeah, him necessarily. Yeah, ex- so. exactly. So, um, so anyway, needless to say, you know, I but I started out wholesaling. It it took. I'm the point I want to make is it wasn't easy from the yeah. beginning. It wasn't easy. Um, I spent a lot of money, which you don't have to do by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> but I spent a lot of a lot of money and it took me actually several months, 7 months until I actually made any money in real estate. Wow. So till I closed my first transaction took 7 months, but the cool thing is 2 months later I did another transaction and then 1 month later I did another transaction. 
And then I got so your learning curve really flattened quickly after you got exactly. the first break. Learning curve flattened. I had you know what I call my pipeline was getting full. I now knew <laughs> what I was actually doing and talking about. Um, so so things you know things started going pretty well. Now, when you first started in that seven months, you weren't make you were doing this real estate thing and not making any money. Um, were you still doing the satellite business? Was that still how you were paying the bills and putting a roof over your head? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I, I said okay. I had my brother. I'm pretty much a, uh, you know, go do like what, what's that? Ready, fire, aim type. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so I said to my brother, who was. Um, working with me in my satellite dish business, I said, okay, you run the satellite dish business. I'm going to go figure out this real estate investing thing and we'll go from there. <laughs> so, gotcha. Okay. Okay. So it was, so you had your bases covered as far as knowing you had a little bit of income coming in, um, yeah, from one thing, but you then you've got to realize I just had $120,000 of debt that I paid yeah, off in six months. Yeah. So felt completely free. Yeah. That was so powerful <laughs> in my mind to think, Oh, I mean, I was used to having $120,000 of debt. I now have no yeah. debt. So for me to go out and do my own thing, there was really no fear there because I always knew there was a way, you know, there was always. Well, and if you and if you just accomplished paying off one hundred twenty thousand in six months, you you know what you're capable of. I mean, you've already proven that there's not really anything that's too insurmountable for that. Yeah. So interesting. So now tell me about whenever you started your um, your real estate business and you got into the wholesaling. Then um, it. I know you uh, kind of are. An, I don't want to say an expert guru, whatever you want to call it. But you, you've done, you've done the wholesaling part of it. You've done the flipping of houses for. Do you call it retail? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Wholesale and retail. Okay. Um, you've done that too. Um, but tell me about when the recession hit. And suddenly, uh, money got tight. No banks were lending, and you know what happened with mortgages. It was just the rubber stamp, no, denied, no, no, no. But and I, and I know that doesn't necessarily affect you if you're wholesaling because you're selling to a different market, but what happens is the pipeline of buyers backs up, right? I mean, your customers essentially disappear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I guess, the once again, the lesson here is, even in real estate, and I believe this is the same with any business or anything you do, and you can always, there's always a way to make things work, right? So right. you just have to find that way to adapt. There's a great book, maybe you've heard the book, Who Moved My Cheese? I love that. And it's just, I mean, there are, there is, you can look at businesses over the past several years that have thrived mm-hmm. and businesses that have failed. The ones that have thrived have always found that way. They've always been mm-hmm. adapting and innovating. So the same is with real estate. Like I said, when the economy was going down, when the market was going down, my hedge was wholesaling. So Mm -hmm. there was really no risk. I was selling these properties for cash, the contracts to these properties, I should say, for cash to people who had cash and wanted to buy the properties as as a landlord. And sure, you, you say, well, the market was going down and all this stuff. It's like, well, I was able to get better discounts. So it's all... Relative. Ah, gotcha. I okay. mean, banks so it, knew. it can work in your favor yeah. in, in some of the scenarios. So there's a lot of relativity. So I was able to just, my goal was to get the house under contract for, you know, 95, sell the contract for 5,000. So they were paying 100,000, and I'd take 5,000 mm-hmm. and let them do their thing, right? Go to the next, go on yeah, to the, go next, on to the one. next one. So, wow, unbelievable. And I think that is, you know, there is so much value in in seeing that even in your business, it took 
seven months for you to close your first deal because that's a lot of perseverance and a lot of no's and a lot of rejection and a lot of stumbling and finding your way. I mean, a lot of people don't give themselves seven months to fail before yeah. they see and I was success. Taking, I was so. taking a lot of action, too. Let me make that clear. Oh, that's true. Yeah, was, yeah, that's true. Because working your butt off yep. for seven months is completely different than sort of halfway doing yeah, it. I was you not know. just sitting around and thinking about. It. I was going pretty hard. Part of the thing is I did start out with short sales, and those take a while to complete. Yes. Um, yeah. I do believe I could have done it within um, three or four months. And you know, today that's what I. Uh-huh. Most people I see, if they go full board, um, they can do three to four months. But you know, just. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Don't don't quit. The three feet from gold, yeah. right? So many people. Yes, yes. They yes, go through yes. the hardest part, and then they give up. And I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, you know what? Ninety five percent of the world doesn't know about this business, and you gave up. Yeah. Like, wow. It's unbelievable. But I see that so often, and I know you have seen it as well because you think, man, you know, people they're 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 about to break through that that uh, ceiling and they're about to start having things fall in their lap. And then it's like, ah, this is too hard. I'm, I'm out of yeah, here. So I, definitely a good I always lesson. tell people the it's your first house is harder to do than your next 10 and your, oh, your wow. first 10 are much harder than your next 100. <laughs> Very interesting. So well, that leads us right into one of the things that I really wanted to pick your brain about and for you to share some drop some value bombs for our local business owners that listen to this podcast because so many times putting systems in place um, is not a strong suit of a local business owner. We're, we're, we tend to be very scattered. Uh, there's not, you know, a corporate entity coming down saying you must do this, do this, do this, do this. And and so so many times those systems don't get put in place early enough on in order to be replicated to sort of give the business owner a little bit of freedom yes. and, and that sort of thing. So can you talk to us about um, how you said you're a ready, fire, aim kind of person. So I can imagine that maybe putting systems into place might not have been uh, the most natural thing for you. Um, actually, I don't know. No, or is actually, it, is I would it say pretty... delegation and systems are okay. my two um, strong, strong suits. Nice. Um, I mean, honestly, part of it, Christy, is I'm not very good at a lot of things, and I'm I'm just oh, so you have to borrow the help. Yeah, I'm just being vulnerable. Yeah. I mean. Around my home, like I am not the handyman. My wife is. <laughs> like that is hilarious. So and but, but don't people think that naturally goes with flipping? Like absolutely. oh, you got to flip a house. You do all your work yourself, <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't know the difference between a hammer and a wrench. Yeah, I, and you I know. seriously, am, I can't. I don't fix anything around my house. Um, I'm horrible <laughs> with names. I was joking with my wife about like, I mean, it took me a couple few months when we moved, you know, to San Clemente a year and a half ago. It took me a few months before I knew how to drive to my own house or oh my, my own zip code. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't graduate college, right? I, I got the lowest score you could possibly get on the ACT to get into Brigham Young on a scholarship. It was only because I had a scholarship. Like, oh, my like, gosh. That's there's no way I would have gotten in. So I'm not trying to belittle myself. I'm just uh-huh. trying to help people know that Understand, yeah. it's not about what you can do. It's about what people around you can do. A successful entrepreneur is just good at bringing people together. Really. Sure. And, it's a dirty and, little know, secret. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, well, we'll try not to let the cat out of the bag. But, you know, that is so critical, though, to thinking about it because so many local business owners think I have to do everything myself because I don't have the money to get other people to do it and that sort of thing. And what you're saying is make the investment and it will pay off over time. Yeah. So You want to do it smart. You know, you want to do it yeah. not all at once, but you want to do it bit by bit for sure. 
So walk us through kind of the process for or the, some of the systems that you've set up for your real estate flipping business. Okay, so for my real estate um, business, let, let me kind of how it started more than where I am right now. Sure, it might sure. be a little overwhelming. First off, every single thing I do, it's like a game to me. It's actually kind of fun. <laughs> I am <laughs> always trying to work myself out of a job, essentially. I'm trying to think okay. of, okay, what system can I use to do this or what person can I delegate this to, right? Those are, the, uh-huh. those are the things I look at for everything I do. So when I started doing higher volume in 2011, I did, I did 60 flips in 2011. And then after that, I started averaging 100 per year. It's just like this light bulb wow. went off. I was like, man, I can do this. I can do way more of these, right? So wow. I, I hired an assistant to, to help me out. The, the prior year and that's how we kind of got things going and I just had her start you know the goal is in, in real estate investing is to buy houses that's the main thing if you can buy houses then you're you're golden so okay I had her just focusing on contacting agents and making offers on houses so she was cutting out a lot of this legwork for me that was taking me so much time and a lot of people be like well how can you trust someone else to buy that house I'm like well I just had to do the legwork Right. A lot of yeah, like, yeah. So find people who can do the legwork and you can still be the final decision maker. Sure. But she would contact agents. She would make offers. I taught her the formula that I would use to come up with these offers. And then I would have a 10 day inspection period before we had to actually buy the house. So anytime she would get a house ah. in her contract, I could then review it and check things out. So gotcha. <laughs> other things I had her do. And this is maybe more applicable to everybody as a whole is when you hire someone, I hired her part-time, and I had her doing all of the things that were easy to teach but took a long time to do and had to be done again and again and again. Okay, repetitive Repetitive tasks. tasks. So easy to teach, repetitive tasks. Um, and, yeah, at first I just hired her for 10, uh, 10 hours a week, and I was paying her like $10 an hour, right? So, um, you know, it's not that wasn't too horrible. That was doable. And it allowed me to focus on things that were – of higher value. Gotcha. So, um, so I had her start out doing things like turning on utilities and doing paperwork and doing all these things that just took so much time that I didn't really want to deal with. Mm -hmm. So as we continue to evolve, we, we created systems with our, our agents and our contractors. Most people would only use their real estate agent to, you know, make an offer on a house. Right, uh, right. No, not us. We uh, <laughs> we have our real estate agents. They, if we have to evict somebody or do cash for keys, they help us to get them out. I help them. I have them help us do project management. So they'll okay. kind of oversee our contractors and make sure that the contractors are doing their job. Um, they'll do final walkthroughs on the properties. So all these things that normally a person would feel like they have to do themselves, I would let my my agents do. Wow. Um, okay. And then with the contractors, you know, managing a project can be a lot of work with contractors. So what I did, a lot of times you'll haggle with price and trying to figure all this yes. stuff out. So I came up with two things. I came up with a materials list and I came up with a price list. So materials list just says every single house, 95% of our houses, I should say, we use the exact same color paint, the same mm. flooring, the same carpet, the same tile, everything. I got so you. Wow. Going to Home Depot to pick out this and that or the other. Like we've just found the most what people like the most and we use mm-hmm. it again and again and again. 
Gotcha. So makes it easy. Yeah, it makes it super easy. And then the price list, I came to realize that we were spending a ton of time haggling with contractors and getting several bids, and the price would go up. So what we did was we, I realized, you know, I'm paying about a dollar to a dollar twenty-five per square foot for for paint. So if a house is, you know, a thousand square feet, mm-hmm. I was paying about twelve hundred dollars to have that house painted. Gotcha. And so I realized that was the same for everything else. So we came up with this price list that's based on the size of the house or based on how much laminate wood flooring they put in or and and what that I did gotcha. was it took away all the haggling. They mm-hmm. knew what they were going to get paid. I knew what we were going to pay them, and that saved us so much time as well. Um, so you were able to essentially say to whoever the contractor was, this is what essentially what the work is. Here's the materials we're going to use, what it's going to involve, and here's what I'm willing to pay. And they were able to say, I can do that yes. and sign on. Yes, exactly. And Okay. So it's wow. those kinds of systems. Um, mm-hmm. You have to do, you know, it's a combination of systems, as you can see, and mm-hmm. being able to trust other people. Um, yeah enough to handle some of those things for you. That's a something some entrepreneurs have a hard time doing is letting go of right. some of those things. Sure. Um, but you've got, you've got to be willing to do that if you don't want to just create a job for yourself. Wow. So, so with that kind of, that kind of stuff, you really kind of took the power away from uh, someone else to gouge you on pricing or even to, to, you know, clean your clock on on some kind of labor or something like that with your contractors, right? But you took your numbers from real numbers. Absolutely. You know, you took them based on you know this is the average of what we seem to be doing. This seems to be the seems to be a fair price that people are you know yes. charging. But you just take the fluctuation. Absolutely. I mean, I've even had contractors that were wanting to charge too little, and I was like, no, you you can't run a business like that. Like I knew they couldn't mm-hmm. pay their guys, buy the materials, and do everything they needed to do. Um, and that kind of concerned me, and I usually don't work with those guys, but yeah, it just yeah. tells me they don't really yeah, run, know they're how to not run managing yeah, it exactly. right. Yeah, but. and so and so even then, by but by streamlining what you did for your materials list and the same paint and the same tile and the same carpet and that sort of thing, um, you now have uh, eliminated a lot of waste because one job can leftovers from one job can also fuel another job potentially, right? Yes, absolutely. And another tip is you want to really focus on um you know every day when i plan my day i only focus on my top one to two things for that day i'll have a list of other things when i complete those things but i find that a lot of um new entrepreneurs they they they're kind of beaten around the bush a little bit they're in their comfort zone which is Uh kind of in the outer range of where they need to be you know i picture it like a target right like you've uh-huh. got to hit that target and you've got to hit it head on and you've got to hit it often. <laughs> and they're oh, kind wow. of skirting around that target. They're doing things that make them feel like they're accomplishing something, uh-huh. but it's not really um, income producing items. It's not what's going to really get them where they need to be. Um, so that, that's kind of another tip, but new entrepreneurs really need to focus on those key things that are going to really, um, I, t- I call it, you know, taking the right kinds of action, not just massive action, but taking action where it really counts. And those are income producing items that you really need to focus on. 
Wow, yeah, and that that income producing being a, a qualifier for so many activities would eliminate and streamline things for entrepreneurs, I think, right off the bat. Now, I had one other question. You were talking about getting your um, your agents, your real estate agents, to do um, a lot of things that most other people wouldn't think of about a realtor doing. Um, now, were they people that worked exclusively for your firm, or were they just ones you had found randomly yeah, as you not- dealt with? That's a good point. You know, I look at it as everything as a uh, as being like a business partner, right? Like they're a part of my sure. team. Now, don't get me wrong; they're not like on my LLC payroll, yeah, yeah. Or anything <laughs> like that. But it's like you know, I have a, a couple agents where I say, okay, you have the rights to make offers on every single house in this area. Wow. Um, okay. You know, we will not only do you get paid the commission from the person that you're buying the house from, but we will then relist the property with you. And ah. we buy a lot of houses, so they're incredibly incentivized to to work. So it's a win win, right? Sure, absolutely, because they've got a steady stream of business. Yes. They never have to go out cold calling and you know looking for people to list with. And yes. at the same time, uh, they're willing to do more for you than the average realtor would for me. Exactly. <laughs> yes. you know, but but at the same time, I mean, you know, it's all about painting that picture for them. Sure. Um, absolutely. So it's just a meeting of the minds, a conversation. Yeah. And and I've helped my main agent bring on an assistant as well. Uh, yeah. I'm, my goal is to add value to them so that we can grow together. Right. That's a, that's a, a great thing. And there, there, there are so many ways you can, just like you say, the find a way thing. There are so many ways you can grow your business without actually growing your overhead, yes. you know, yeah. with that. And so I love that, that you've done that. So now let me tell, let me ask you this, as far as your business goes, um, what type of marketing are you having to do for your business at this point? Well, we have, once again, with who with my cheese, we've, um, throughout the years, are always changing the way we're buying houses. Okay. I started out with, the, with, I started out with short sales and then wholesaling. Then I started doing REOs, which are bank-owned properties, mm-hmm. um, and then trustee sales, which is you know auction properties when they're getting foreclosed on. And mm-hmm. now we're primarily focused on two buying strategies, which is we buy from other investors. So I used to be the wholesaler. Now I'm the rehabber who's buying from the wholesaler. Okay. And we market directly to sellers, directly to homeowners. So that's kind of the marketing that you're talking about. How do we market mm-hmm. to those people? Is um, we'll use direct mail. Okay. And we'll find people who are out of state or out of the area landlords, and we'll send them a letter just letting them know we're interested in buying their home. Okay. We do online marketing as well. Um. You know, Which is an area most local businesses are really terribly struggle with, and I know you've you've done a great job with even your online presence. But online marketing, tell us what that includes. So once again, you know me not being, I'm not incredibly techie. I, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I don't. So I I work with the, actually I hired a company to, you know, build a website for me, a lead generating website. And it's, it's beautiful. I was going to say your house flipping HQ website is beautiful. It really is. Uh, kudos to that. I don't know if it might be a different one that they built, but it, you've done well, a great no, job with that one. But here, <laughs> here's the kicker. I mean, cause this was a lead generating website. I hired the guy from the company <laughs> that, that built my website. So he did, you know, he's redone my house flipping HQ website as well. So it's the same guy really. I got you. Um, so same skills. Yeah. Definitely. So I just found someone who, who could help me out with that and, and knew about Google AdWords and knew mm-hmm. about um, SEO and 
generating those leads. And he, I said, hey, check out these sites and let's make one look like it, right? So, yeah. um, you know, when I started out, I door knocked, right? So it's all a, right, depends on right. there are there are things you can do if you don't have um, much capital. And then mm-hmm. there are things that are probably if you don't have a lot of time, but you have a little more capital you can work with. Sure. And so sure. that's evolved for me as well. But I mean, you can do things like knocking doors or something called driving for dollars where you just drive around and look for properties that are uh, either vacant or neglected. And then you mm-hmm. get a hold of the homeowner. Uh, you market directly to them. Um, so many, so many things you can do in, in this business. Wow. Just go into your local real estate investment club and networking with other people. Uh, you could buy houses that way. Yeah. And I've heard, I know you've done several podcasts from, um, after talking to the people that hold these different investment clubs and that sort of thing, um, around the country. And cause I've, I've listened to several of those. And, uh, I think those, those relationships, and I know that you have, instead of having a, um, competitive or even antagonistic relationship with other flippers and other, you know, people in your industry, I know that you do a lot to really work on having a collaborative relationship. Are there any tips you could give us on that? Absolutely. To, to what you're talking about, I call it co-opetition, right? Yes, so <laughs> exactly. I used to work out at, you know, a CrossFit gym, which you, you want to beat the other person, but you want them to be better too. You want them yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> so you kind of work together to build each other up. Yeah, that and is that's how one. I look at all business. Um, it's fun to compete, and I see someone else do this. I'm like, oh, if they can do that, I can do it. I can do it better, right? But but then yeah. we work together, and we're buying houses from each other. Because not every single person has every single resource they need to do everything. Sure. I mean, it just doesn't work that way, right? Right. So I feel like you're much stronger together than than on your own. So um, what was your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> it was it was just about how how you go, have gone about fostering that collaborative kind of um, relationship yeah. with people that would be competitors or considered competitors by you. So the, one of the fastest ways is in every location, there's a local real estate investment club. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Southern California, we have several, probably about eight or so. And go there and just start networking and meeting people. And your first time, you might feel a little... Out, you know, like you might just make, get to know a couple people, but over time you'll get these people start to become more familiar and over time they'll become your friends. And um, that's a great way, great way to start. Um, there's other communities, you know, like I have an, an online community. There's other blogs and forums out there you can meet people through, um, but just start getting to know people. I, I have something I call the three C's of, of success of, of house, uh-huh. you know, real estate or housekeeping success, but it's also sure. applicable to all entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs. And the first one is, um, it, it'd be good if I remembered the first one, right? The first, the C, yeah. <laughs> it starts with the a C. first is, is content. <laughs> and so you gotta, you got to get educated, right? You can't uh-huh. do what you don't know. However, sure. I see some people try to get too much education. So you got to learn the fundamentals. Uh-huh. You want to learn the fundamentals, and then that takes us to our second C, which is you want to identify, then identify your first step. So you have a vision. You know what you want to do. You have a vision of how it works. You don't know because you're never going to know everything. And especially if you haven't, don't have that real world knowledge, that experience, sure. you might even think you know, understand it and you really won't. So the goal is to learn the fundamentals and then as quickly as you can enter the corridor, which is the second C, uh, meaning okay. get started. Take action where it counts. Fail fast. Fail forward fast. It's okay. Just that's okay. If you fall on your face, just get started so that's the second c 
And then what happens when you do that is you enter this warp zone of learning. It's like a hyper learning. It, it's crazy. The amount of learning you do once you enter that corridor and you're in the club, in the game, is so huge. Um, and other people want to connect with you more because like, oh, this person isn't just a talker. Right. You're making it happen. They're not Somehow, yeah, some they, way. And, <laughs> and it's, it's crazy. I mean, within like a month of taking action, people will want to connect with you in a different way because they can recognize that. It's very sure. easy to, uh, to recognize someone who's doing rather than just talking about something, right? Yeah. So, and then the third C is community. So you've taken action. You're going to fall flat yeah. on your face. Then you want your community. You want mentors and like-minded individuals who are in that same path as you. So two kinds of people, right? People who have been there who can show you the ropes and <clears throat> help you when you're down. And then other people who are on that same journey as you, who can, who you can struggle together with, but you also have that same like-mindedness that most of your friends and family, quite frankly, aren't going to have. And Mm, so it's very hard to go to them for support. So those are the three C's and they kind of rinse, wash and repeat, um, content corridor and community. And if you have those things going, 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 you're ultimately going to succeed. I mean, you, you can't not just given enough time. Yeah. 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 Wow. So let me ask you this, Justin. I know you've had uh, you know, the satellite business and then you've got the real estate uh, in flipping, investing and that sort of thing business. Have you ha- Has there been a failure that has been particularly, um, I don't want to say meaningful, but in a very learning type way that you've learned more from failing than you have had you had, had success in that area? Oh, my goodness. Has there did you ever fail at <laughs> any point day, in time? <laughs> when you sign up to be an entrepreneur, you are basically raising your hand to be a problem solver. Um, mm. And you're basically saying, I want to be a failure. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. if you don't learn to embrace failure and accept failure, then forget about this business um, or any business at all, I should say. So, <clears throat> yes, I fail every day. And I even teach my staff um, to embrace failure whenever my assistant calls me with a problem, which doesn't happen as often now because I've trained her to be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. But right. um, I say, hey, this is how we make money. Congratulations. You know, you turn it yeah. around <laughs> rather than feeling down and yeah. distraught. It's like, all right, this is, this is where we thrive, right? right? So you've got to embrace that. But, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I talked about my first business. That was a complete failure in a sense because I ended up with $120,000 of debt, a broken partnership a summer program of sales reps that were supposed to go door to door and make millions and didn't happen because my partner didn't, uh, you know, I'll, I'll blame him because he's not here to defend yeah. himself. No. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, the guy just totally flaked out on his one responsibility and then left me with all the debt. Of course, I was dumb enough to have it all in my name. Um, yeah. And so I had to get up and move and, you know, lived in a small house with several relatives and other employees. Oh, just till we got out of that debt. I worked 90 hours a week selling door to door, working on the admin. But at the same time, that was my biggest success because yeah. it helped me realize that I can overcome anything. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, and we had that failure. When, you know, I talked about the lovebirds one day when I was nine. One day I woke up after a freezing cold storm and they were all dead. Right? <gasps> oh, no. So, I mean, I've been having failures from the wow. time I was young. I... <laughs> Well, don't you think, though, I you know for most people that, you know, are from the corporate world or from the, the nine to five, get your paycheck and go home kind of world, I don't think when you make the transition to being an entrepreneur that we're fully prepared 
for all the failure that we're going to face. Yeah. We tend to be overly optimistic and think, oh, this is a, this is a and this is a no brainer. It, it can't fail. There's no competition. There's this, you know, and you see everything through the optimism of someone that's eager and excited. And then you start failing and you fail and you fail and you think, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? You know, yeah. you hear success stories. That's what the the media and, and even podcasts and that sort of thing. I don't be like, you know, I want to give you the tw- top 12 most failing business people. <laughs> you know, it's the top most successful. Yeah. But it's, it's just you get to a point where you that failure is the only thing that you can learn from. I mean, it's it's almost like the failure is your feedback. Yes. You know, yes. that that now, okay, something, you're not doing something right because people aren't buying what you're selling or it's not working, so what can you tweak? And that's when you start feeling your way around for what to tweak and what to change and how to how to grow. Yeah, so. and there's different kinds of failure, I, you know, I, or fear of failure, I guess you could say. Sure. And 90% of it, there's only, the only kind of failure in business that people should be concerned with or be aware of that's, that's actually real, in my opinion, is the, the fear of you know losing a lot of money. So yes, that's why yes, in, in yes. real estate, I teach people you know the seven steps, the seven things you can do to minimize or mitigate that, that mm-hmm. concern. But the other kind of failure that's even more provident that I've noticed is people are afraid of failure because they're worried about what other people are going to think of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's so interesting to me, like that concern of what others will think of you it's so powerful and it causes people to not take action. They associate it with the same fear of like getting mauled by a bear or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you're right though. That does, that holds you in uh, jobs longer than you want to be there. It, it makes you continue down a path that you're really not excited about going down because, well, it's what people expect me to do. And you're, you're just afraid of rocking the boat. And I think people don't realize, and, and then we sometimes don't realize we put that pressure on other people too, you know, even as much as we hated ourselves being uh, crazy rebel entrepreneur people (laughs) who don't follow the the laid out path in the, in the life. Something else I want to say really quick. Sure. I, I listened recently to someone who used to work for Tony Robbins and they said, he, he said something that really stuck out to me. And he said, most people think they can accomplish more in a year than they really can, but they underestimate what they can do in two to three years. Oh, wow. So I think in our minds, we have this like, you know, we have this calendar year that we work with and it's like, New Year's, I'm going to do this, this, this. Yeah, and, yeah. We're here right now. And yeah. honestly, I found it takes a good almost year of failure <laughs> for mm-hmm. maybe six months, you know, maybe less, right? It just depends. Yeah. I'm not going to nail it exactly. Now, now I'm to the point where I can start a business much quicker because I have sure. a whole other set of skills of, of learning all these things. But it takes several months. Don't think it's going to be overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that's when most people usually quit. But what you can accomplish after that, after you've gained all that experience, can be pretty tremendous if you apply what you've learned. Um, And people underestimate that all the time. So, you know, and it's interesting to me that like you naturally um, have a way of organizing your learning, Um, like coming up with the three C's and even the seven steps for this and that and the other. Is that something that's always naturally just come to you to be able to kind of organize your life experiences in ways that make sense to train other people? Or to that's, share with other that's people. honestly happened a lot more since I've been educating um, mm-hmm. this past you know year and a half or so. I because I didn't realize I, I've always had a little bit of fear, but I've, I've I was born an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, you know, ready, fire, aim, just take yeah. action, like <laughs> just go, go, I, go. I, yeah. Honestly, I, like you said, I was 
pretty ignorant. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be a millionaire within a year of starting ah, my, my first okay. business. Um, but it happened. It just didn't happen. Just, yeah, different time frame. As I yeah. wanted. But it's crazy. Just a few years ago, I couldn't afford my own house. We were trying to figure out how yeah. to pay the bills. And now it's like life has changed. And I'm the same person. My mind is the same. Yeah. I just was able to take some of that experience I had, put some things together. And then one year, it's like, okay, this year worked out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you think about it, you know, you you did your first real estate deal in seven months. And then, you know, if you had taken that and said, oh, my gosh, this first one was such a pain. Th- this is just going to be way too much work to do. And you walked away at nine months, you know. Look at what would have happened. And the fact that you say now that, you know, your first one is the hardest one you'll do out of the next 10 and the next 10 is not near as hard as or is harder than the next 100. You know, it just people don't realize how quickly that sort of thing scales as far as uh, the ease of of getting your systems down pat and learning it. And like you say, now you um, you probably almost feel like at this point, you know enough that you could start any business and know it could be a success. Absolutely. I, I could start uh, yeah. any business, name it. If someone's making money in it, that's the way I look at uh-huh. it. I can make yeah. money doing it. Gotcha. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right. but I, I know I can do it. You so. can figure it out and make it happen. And that, I was going to say, that gives you a tremendous amount of freedom because from that point on, you can write your own ticket. Yes to doing whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy in this life. So, Justin, we've talked a lot about how you started your business and your past and where you've been and and where where the business has kind of led to. But tell us now a little bit just before we end about where your business is now, where you're taking it and some things you're doing because you have an, an incredible online presence and you've been able to take your real life local experience and turn it into some things online and we talked about this in episode 107 of my podcast about trying to uh, make sure that you have multiple streams of income and it's not just from one local area I mean an earthquake could happen in your area and you could be you know have a year's worth of setbacks just from that and you've got to have another way to have income coming in so talk to us a little bit about where your business is heading and what you've got going on yeah so you know, a couple of years ago, as I had everything streamlined, just for the record, for when I didn't have things streamlined day one. So I know I've been doing this eight years, but <laughs> a couple of years ago, I really had things streamlined. And I mean, I wasn't looking at my houses. I wasn't. And it was fun kind of being able to take a breather for a while and sure. reflect. And I was like, wow, it was crazy. Like almost I not overnight, but it felt like overnight. So it's like uh-huh. one day I was like, oh, my gosh, like we can go on vacation where we want. It was and a little bit surreal, wasn't it? It was wasn't pretty it? surreal. Yeah. Like we actually have an income, this thing called an income yeah. where you can do stuff now. And um, But after a while, I got kind of bored. I have, you know, the entrepreneur curse and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> ADD, and I'm like, okay, what now, right? Yeah. So I, I decided, hey, I'm, I'm good. At, I love teaching people. I'm good at real estate. Why not you know, teach other people? I've been sure. taken advantage of several times. Why not do it in an honest, ethical way? I know there are people online educating in an honest mm-hmm. way. And um, <clears throat> I thought, hmm, that, l- l- let me give that a go. And once again, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I, uh, if I, 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 the ignorance thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I probably thought oh, I could do anything. It'd be easier. In a way, my education business was harder because I didn't need to do it. <laughs> like I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You're right, though. It's harder to stay motivated whenever it's like, you know, if this fails, it's still no skin off my back. You know? I didn't have to do it. 
do it. So when the challenges came, it wasn't like, well, I have no choice. I've got to feed th- these kids and pay these mm-hmm. bills and pay this off this debt. It was like, huh, I can go surfing right now or I can figure out this yeah. thing problem. And <laughs> wow. that's been a yeah. whole nother, you know, challenge and move myself out of my comfort zone. Um, sure. And there was a time last year, right before my wife and I were going to Costa Rica on our 10 year anniversary where I was like, I'm done. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to pay back all my students. I came to like $30,000 or something. I mean, mm-hmm. that I was going to have to pay people back just because I wasn't bringing in, I wasn't really making any money. Yeah. You know? So it was like the first year I didn't really make any money after my expenses. And some, so I went to Costa Rica, we came back and I had did some reflecting. I thought, oh, maybe I'll give it a little more of a go. But that night, you know, like $4,000 came into our account. And I was like, where wow. did this come from? You know, I, I didn't do anything. What I happened? just got back yeah. from a 10-day vacation and $4,000 came in. And we just it just so happened that our online, um, one of the offers we were giving was going to expire that night. And oh. I didn't even know. Like my online assistant. Weren't paying that attention. Yeah, my yeah. online guy just set the timer to whatever day, right? And so all these people signed up and I'm like, so I talked to him. I said, you know, we really aren't like selling, not, not selling, but put, believing in ourselves that much. We aren't really mm-hmm. giving that offer. Like we have this online presence, but we aren't telling people, Hey, we have something to offer to you and it is awesome. Right? Like yeah. we are giving you a ton of value. And so I said, all right, you know, I've, I've considered getting out of this, but let's just start pushing it a little bit harder. So when we were willing to believe in ourselves more, and what we had to offer and the value that it had, others were able to see that. And we were very confident. We weren't afraid to let people know about what we had to offer and that it was awesome and that they should buy it. And that month, we brought in um, $30,000 into my education wow. business. And then, so that was um, June, or, or it was July by now, because we my anniversary was in June, and this was July. And then you know, October... Um, I did a couple seminars and we kind of ramped up and we brought in 80,000. So that was our, our biggest month to date. Recently it's been the holidays and we slowed down a little bit and now I'm about to relaunch my program and and pick things up again. And I hope to, um, you know, turn my online business now into another seven figure business. So have those two seven figure businesses, but. And the, and the principles of doing that are the same. Sometimes the tactics are a little bit different and the, the skill set needed might be a little bit different, but I know it's, um, it's definitely something that people can learn so much about even just how to, how to put whatever their local business is into the online world and give away the knowledge that you have. Cause like you said, you, you le- learned a skill set and gained so much on your own, even though you had these coaching programs and that sort of thing. And now because you did it and you got to where you wanted to get, you could show other people the path that you took. And that's, that's very, very valuable. Yeah, And I was not tech savvy up by the way at all. Yeah, I mean, and that I was going to say that's another people uh, all these barriers people get, you know, they're like I don't know anything about online Google AdWords, what's that, yeah, you know, I don't know and anything. Where's your best resource for finding the people to delegate the uh different things that you have going on in your business to? What's your best tip for resources you know, for that? I look at the people that work for me and and they've all come from different ways. Vanessa mm-hmm. who runs pretty much my entire house flipping business, um Craigslist. I put an ad on Craigslist. Okay. So okay. I'm more of a just do it type guy. Just, yeah. Just go for it. And imagine, you know, try to stay away from like friends and family would be my one. Yeah. <laughs> because 
<laughs> you have a lot of people say they have a, it's a hard time finding good people. No way. There's yeah. so many fantastic people if you give them the right system. Yeah. Um, but you have to be willing to be very direct with them. Mm-hmm. If you never have any, um, I don't want to say confrontation, if, but it more, uh, if you cannot give some constructive criticism sure. and be direct feedback. and yeah. feedback to somebody, you, you will, you're, they're never going to be able to achieve what you want them to accomplish. And that hurts them Absolutely. because they don't know what you need them to do. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, the thing is you're, you're hurting both of you. Yes. I mean, it doesn't just hurt them. It hurts you hurt too, because that, because then they turn over or you're frustrated with them and that you don't get the productivity. Yeah. So, so if you're going to hire someone, you have to be able to know, I, that's why I stay away. Well, you should stay away from friends and family. I haven't always followed that rule, but it's probably mm-hmm. a good idea because uh-huh. you have to picture yourself being able to, to be like, what the heck did you just do? You know, you have to be able to like, yes, 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 yes. And, and if, if you can't do that with them, then that's probably someone you, you don't want to hire. But Yeah, no, that's um, definitely a good idea. So, no, and, and the thing is, I think the success or failure of many people that we bring on board depends largely on how much time you're willing to invest in training them the way you, you want it done right. Yeah, so. but I also let them – I try not to micromanage, you know, but I try to guide and direct. But then one of my main things is after they get some of the basic training down, they can no longer come to me with questions. Ah, very nice. They have I like to that. come it, to me with solution. Solution. Okay, nice. And I can confirm it. And then over time, what's interesting is I no longer need to confirm that. Yeah. Because they already know. Well, that, well, they've had so you've had the discussion so many times. They already know how you're going to think or what you're going to say about it. And after they do it a few times and confirm, they're like, ah, I've already done it. If I know what he's going to say, and they do it in think, you know do it. Christy, the way you thinking want. is the probably the number one most undervalued overlooked um, resource or commodity or so mm-hmm. otherwise people don't think about, you're really paying someone to think for you. In my sure. Opinion. Yeah, Thinking you takes are a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. Yeah. And 90% of the time these people or other people can come up with just as good a solution as you. And a lot of times it's yin or it's this or that, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like most, most things in the business, we're going to paint the, the wall, this beige or this beige it's like yeah i don't exactly. care yeah paint it a color that people like and sure. leave me alone <laughs> yeah and we always say and, and even this came from even whenever i was in college it's easier to get forgiveness than permission so sometimes you just gotta go with it and if you know you find out on the back end mm, that's not the best thing so let's tweak it for next time but at least Absolutely. you did something and i'm okay so. with that i, I you know i yeah. tell them you know show me the baby don't tell me about the, the delivery pains right like, <laughs> exactly. uh, we we can we're going to make mistakes yeah. and we can uh, fix those mistakes, but we can't build a business if, you know, you're constantly coming to me with, with every single thing. Absolutely. You know, there's a thing about like the monkey, if they come in or come talk to me and they have this monkey on their back, they got to leave with that monkey on their back. They're not leaving that monkey ah, with leaving. me. <laughs> I can't take you care of all monkey. these monkeys, right? It takes a lot of time to solve these problems and figure these things out. That's what That's they need easy. to be able to do. That's a great analogy. Take your monkey and leave. So I think I gotcha. So Justin, I wanted to give you the opportunity to um, promote anything that you have going on with your business and also telling our listeners where they can find you on the web. And we'll link all this up in our show notes so that people can go directly and find what you're doing. If they're investing in uh, one, thinking about getting into real estate investing, Uh, really at whatever level. I mean, I think even so much of the knowledge that you share 
in your programs and that you've gained, you know, would even help people that are just going to know they're going to be buying a house for their family, yeah. you know, and might eventually turn, you know, stay in it five years and, and turn it into a rental and buy another house or, you know, th that kind of thing. So it doesn't, you don't have to always be the hardcore, you know, this is what I'm going to do for my full-time living. And um, I think there's so much value that you have. So anyone that's listening to this, I want them to know what you've got for them and what, where we can find you on the web. Okay, cool. So, well, you have, you know, HQ.com and, uh -huh. and the HQ podcast, but something that I'm really excited about that we're in the middle of is <clears throat> we've just created a, a free course um, that, that teaches people about the basics of house flipping. You're not going to learn okay. A to Z, but once again, it talks about the obstacles people have. Mm -hmm. um, it talks about the fundamentals because you've got to learn the fundamentals first. And then um, I also in there go into the seven things you can do to mitigate risk in house flipping. So mm -hmm. that's a free course that they can get at um, houseflippingformula.com. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So they perfect. go to houseflippingformula.com and get that. And there's several videos. And then, like I mentioned, we are currently about to relaunch um, our educational program, okay. our coaching and implementation program. So if anyone's interested in taking it kind of to the next level, um, in, in the fourth video, I, I, I mentioned that a little bit. So, okay. So they, they Perfect. can learn about that there. Perfect. Well, we are excited to, uh, be able to point people in your direction because the, the one thing about it is, um, I hate to say it, but if you try to do any research online, there are certain, you know, making money online, you know, buying houses, with no money down. These are sort of some buzzwords that a lot of times, um, people get very taken advantage yes, of be, with be and <laughs> yes exactly and so i know that you know from me i've been listening to your podcast for uh since you started it and um you know following what you've been doing online and i know that the information you're getting is the exact thing that justin's been doing and living out in his life and so he's someone that you know if he felt like he was taking advantage of you he wouldn't be taking your money yeah, because he, i don't think he could live with himself no, doing that, you know you get so. to a point where you're making the money you need and then you want to uh give back yeah give yeah. back and, and do something yeah. that feels more rewarding don't get me wrong i, I need to make it a business as well Right. Um, but you feel like you're changing. I mean, you're you're helping other people change their lives to be exactly what they yeah, want to be. Yeah, it's got to be more yeah, it's fulfilling. I enjoy it. So Definitely. Justin, I appreciate your time today. And I know you have got uh, so many more value bombs that people can get if they just go to your website. And so we'll put all that in the show notes. And uh, good luck with your new uh, the education and coaching program launch. I know you've got that going on right now. And we'll link up with that as well in our show notes so people can hit you up there. But thanks for sharing with us and being able to kind of backtrack and go back through your journey and call up some good old memories with us today. I appreciate so much your time on the podcast yeah, today. Fun. Thank you, Christy. It's been a blast. Localists, don't let your website be the holdup for your business. You can get started today by simply going to brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website. Once you go there and purchase your website through Bluehost, our service provider, you will be sent a special cheat sheet of plugins to go ahead and get uploaded on your website. That will help make your website a little more user-friendly and a little easier for people to find you. So simply go to brickandmortarreporter.com forward slash website to get your website from Bluehost today. All right. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. 
I'm Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, reminding you that building your business happens step by step. Whether you're just starting or growing your business, use what you heard in this interview today to build a strong foundation for your business. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast in iTunes. And remember, when you have the choice, choose local. 